Thanks for listening to the River in the Hills weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. I wore my favorite belt today. Um, It gives me the edge, you know what I mean? Like some clothes you wear makes you feel like, okay, I can do this. And um, whether the belt matches my clothes, I I wear it anyway. I just love it. But um, yeah, this is a daunting task for me to make sense for 25 minutes, right? (laughs) Not just a minute. (laughs) And so I I do uh, have a lot of respect for ministers of the gospel, right, that bring the word every week. Woo! It's a lot. So I, I appreciate uh, my husband and son and, and, and really all our pastors all over the city and all over this nation. We just bless them in Jesus' name. So my topic today is prayer, but I'm not going to focus on us praying to God. I have a totally different approach. It's going to be the fact that Jesus is praying for us. So it's going to be about what does Jesus' prayer life look like right now? And what implications might that have for us? So if I say Jesus is praying for us, who's the us? Well, us is you and me. Does it mean uh, all human beings, all people? Is it real general or a bit more specific? And um, I think that the scripture actually tells us that really the focus of Jesus's prayers are for his people, not necessarily the world, but really more his people in this hour. And so if you've come to Christ, then you're part of that people. So, so I want to think about Jesus praying for his sons and daughters today. But, you know, sons and daughters, you can take off the plural and you can say son, and you can say daughter. And so really, I want you to think about this. Have you ever thought that Jesus might utter a prayer for just you that's just tailor-made for your life? I mean, I don't think we normally think about that. I mean, we think about Jesus is, you know, okay, okay, maybe he's praying for his people, you know, that they'll be strong or whatever. But his people is just a collection of individuals. And so I think it's logical that we could take it down to one person. Me. You. So... I don't know if you've ever thought about that, if you've ever considered it. Um, But this realization hit me a number of years ago. It's actually in this room. I'll tell you the story in a little bit. But um, it had a powerful impact on me, on my emotions, on my emotional, you know, framework. And it affected my prayer life. So I said, we're not going to focus on us praying to God, but this realization that Jesus was praying for me had actually a big impact on how I approach prayer. So before I tell you that story, though, I do want to build uh, a biblical case for this idea 
that Jesus is really focused on his people and you and me, on it, even in an individual sense. So let's start with Jesus's life on earth. I think most people reading the New Testament or watching The Chosen, right, would, would realize, oh yeah, G Jesus prayed a lot. Yeah, I remember him going off and praying and things like that. And, uh, and, and it is really intriguing the fact that Jesus prayed so much because he was God. I mean, he was God on the earth, but he prayed a whole lot. And I think that was his expression of his humanity. I mean, he fully took on uh, the, the aspects of our nature. It says that he was tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. And so he was tired. He was I'm exasperated at times at, at people's responses to things. So dealing with people required a lot of prayer. Is that, is that not true? <laughs> dealing with ourselves requires a lot of prayer. Um, but anyway, let's, I just want to show you qu quickly. We won't even read through all of these, but these are some of the um, scriptures that I found about Jesus praying <laughs> for, um, you know, praying to God. You know, while he was on the earth, he would go off by himself and pray very early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Uh, more scriptures. Dis, uh, this is, seems like maybe later in the day. The next one, having dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening ha had come or arrived, he was there alone. And then in Luke 6, now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And right after that scripture, uh, it was the uh, encounter of uh, Jesus with the crowds of people, and he actually selected his disciples after he prayed all night. So you have to wonder, you know, did, was he praying about who he should select to be with him, right? And so here we see that Jesus is uh, uh, connecting with God the Father. He's praying. Um, he's having this communication with God. And, and, and that's kind of intriguing. You know, you're like, wow. You know, so if you feel like that, wow, I feel like I need to pray a lot. You know, I have to, I have to pray before work. I have to pray after work. Well, don't feel bad. Jesus did too, right? Before ministry and after ministry, he had to pray, right? And just to deal with everyone and everything. But what about now? So that was his life on earth. You know, what has changed? And in Hebrews 10, it says that after he had made one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. So after his experience of, um, and we're not going to do those scriptures just yet, but you can look over there. Um, it, he sat down at the right hand of God. So that's where he is now. He's in heaven. We see in Acts 1 that Luke tells us the story that after Jesus died and was resurrected, this was like in the year 33 AD, right after his ministry on earth, that after he was re resurrected, he didn't go immediately to heaven, but he spent about 40 days working with his disciples, um, instructing them on what was going to happen, that the Holy Spirit was going to come, that they were going to be okay, they were going to be okay, even though he was going to leave them. 
And so we see that it actually gives us, which I'm thankful that the scripture tells us actually how it happened. So he was talking to them. It says after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. After he said this, he was taken up. So after he gave all these instructions, he, he just, he literally went into the sky. Like you would <laughs> picture like, oh my goodness. Like he was transported up uh, and a cloud hit him. So eventually he was so high up like an airplane, you couldn't see, see him anymore. And then two angels came and said, uh, don't worry, you know, don't be dismayed. This same man, Jesus is going to return in this same manner. Uh, you know, at, at an eventual time. So we're in the in-between time. That hadn't happened yet. But as sure as it was written, it's going to happen. All right, so, what, so we know he's back in heaven now. So what is he doing in heaven? So we could picture that, you know, he's directing the affairs of heaven. He's directing the angels, maybe. Um, perhaps he's talking to saints that are there in heaven. I don't know, I mean... Maybe he's doing all of those things, but actually it's very clear that he's, he has continued his ministry of prayer and intercession that he had on earth. He's continued it in heaven. That we're sure about. We may not be sure about all the other things, like who's directing the angels. Is it God? Is it, <laughs> you know, but we know this. Jesus is actually, he's, he never laid down that ministry of intercession. And so let's look at these scriptures. I'm going to show you uh, these two scriptures in Hebrews 7. So this is now, all right, now, present day. Because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. So a priest is, you know, someone who would make sacrifices for us, intercede for us. Therefore, because of this, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Praise God. He's able to save completely. Uh, one version says, save to the uttermost, those who come to God through him. Have you come to God through Jesus Christ? Well, it says he's praying for those that have come to him. So yes, it means us but it means you as well. Romans 8, 34, who then is the one who condemns? No one, Jesus Christ who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Praise God. I'm so happy for that. All right, so I wanna to return to my story when this became real to me. So it was actually in 2016, it was over Christmas break. Um, my family was out of town. They were visiting my mother-in-law and the kid's grand grandmother the, not too long before she died. And, but I, I wasn't with them and I had the two weeks off. You know, in high school you get two weeks off. I'm not in high school, but I was teaching. Yeah, yeah, I think you know that. So <clears throat> love the two weeks off. And I remember waking up um, on one of the days in the week and thinking, I have absolutely nothing to do. It was the best feeling in the world. There wasn't like one phone call I was going to make. Can you imagine? 
There was nothing that was going on. And uh, sometimes those days are really, really nice, right? Because you're not thinking ahead. I see some of you shaking your head. Those of you that have long work hours. All right. So here I was. And um, so I found myself um, just praying and things like that. And so uh, here I'm taking a break from teaching. And my prayer life is honestly not that great at the time. Um, and so I start praying about my needs, you know, uh, needs I have, needs uh, that maybe I'm aware of in other people's lives. And I just, I was saying scripture that I knew to be the will of God. I, it wasn't like I was praying uh, incorrect things, you know, things that are blessing and healing and help and, and prosperity and all these things I was praying. And, but I felt like I was like, um, I, that I wasn't really hitting the mark, that I saw a need, and I interpreted the need, and I threw a scripture at it, you know, but there was something about it that didn't seem like it was quite hitting the mark, and in some ways, I, I felt kind of like I was pushing, um, like almost I was trying to convince God of that he like that you should do this, Lord. And I realized, I said, why do I feel that way? That's, a, that's not a good thing, okay? I don't want to feel that way. That's not faith. That couldn't be faith. But I'm saying the scripture, so ah, I don't know. Sometimes I get like this in prayer, you know, so you just kind of move on. So then I was reading in Hebrews, and I came across that scripture, the, the Hebrews 7 one, and it, it was just like, I went, oh my goodness, it finally hit me. He is able to rescue me because he's praying for me. And, I, and there was like a, a, a revelation that Jesus was praying for me and that he knew my needs and he had a prayer for those needs. And I went, I went, Lord, I believe you're praying for me. And when I said that, it was like, I just went, oh, well, you know what? Whatever you're praying for me, I agree with it. I agree with your prayer because it's perfect. I know it's perfect, Lord. I may not know what it is. I don't even know what it is, but whatever it is, I agree with it. And then I, then I said, you know, after agreement, you have to receive it. So I received what the Lord was praying for me in that moment. And, you know, it was, it was interesting because all of a sudden I had this flash to, you know, when Jesus prayed in the garden a few times and he said, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, you know, please but not my will, but yours be done. And there was that feeling that I had let go of my will. And don't get me wrong. God wasn't calling me to martyrdom. He wasn't calling me for bad things. Don't hear me wrong. What I was able to do, though, was embrace that God's will could be much higher and better and more with more complete understanding of my situation than thoughts that I could utter. And so in that moment when I said, I agree with what you're praying for me, 
it was like then I could actually feel the presence of the Holy Spirit to maybe give me words that were, were a bit more appropriate, you know, for the situation. So I want to show you an example of this in the scripture. And it's the encounter between Jesus and Peter, the apostle Peter. Uh, he was one of the 12 that Jesus selected after that all night prayer to God. <laughs> uh, and then we know that Peter is all throughout Acts, so he is a leader in the church. He became a leader. But he had a really, really, really dark time. And um, he even did some things that you could argue from one scripture that he uh, was going to be set aside by the Lord, that he had forfeited his destiny. So let's read about that encounter. It's in uh, Luke 22. Yes, yes, Luke twenty two thirty one. Simon, Simon. Okay, so let me uh, set this up. It uh, isn't the Last Supper. So Jesus is uh, eating with his uh, disciples. Very soon he will be crucified. This is the end of his ministry with them. And he turns to Peter at the table and he says, and another name for Peter was Simon. He renamed him later, I think. Or who, named, who renamed him? I don't know. It's Simon Peter. Okay. Uh, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. He prayed for Peter. Isn't that cool? He didn't pray for everybody. He prayed for this one situation. And, you know, some of the other disciples left, left Jesus, too. They, they committed some problems, but for some reason, this particular problem that Peter had, he needed a unique prayer. Uh, and it says, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. That, and you, when you have turned back, sorry, strengthen your brothers when you've turned back. He, he prophesies his return to the Lord, his repentance. And he says, strengthen your brothers after you get over this. And so Peter, being who Peter was at that time in his life, was full of much bravado. <laughs> uh, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. You don't have to pray for me. No worries. <laughs> but he said, uh, you know, he said, ah, Satan, sift me like wheat. I'll be all right. But he said, so then now Jesus addresses him. I tell you, Peter, actually the rooster will not crow today until you have denied me, denied that you even knew me, denied that you were one of my followers. You'll do, you'll do this three times. But what did he say? He said, I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Now, if we think about this, what would you think that Jesus should have prayed for Peter? What would have been the prayer that if we said Peter is going to wax very scared, let me know if you want me to do something.
Huh? Stay right here? Okay. Stay still. All right, so I would have thought that Jesus would, would have prayed for Peter like, hey, Satan's going to ask to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed that your courage would not fail. I've, I've prayed that you won't give in to fear and you won't deny me. All right, so, you know, that's, that would be kind of like a logical thing, that he would pray that Peter wouldn't sin, that he wouldn't mess up, but he didn't pray that. He prayed that he knew. You know what I think? The Lord is very realistic. He knows our weaknesses. He knows where we are. He knew this is just a bit too much for Peter. He's not going to be able to really, you know, stand strong in that moment. So, he's, so instead, he prayed the exact prayer that he needed to pray. And that was that your faith wouldn't fail. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray that you, you can overcome it. Amen? Wow. So I think we see uh, in this, if you think about um, faith failing, what would that mean? I think it would mean when, when someone's faith fails, uh, they feel out of the race with God. They, they're on the sidelines. They're doing their own thing. It's maybe not that they don't, maybe they still believe in Jesus, but they don't feel that they're really walking with the Lord. And why does this happen? Well, if you look at Peter's situation, it would be because he was so disappointed. And we see after he denied Jesus three times, it says that Jesus was close enough that they made eye contact with each other. It was three different people that had asked, hey, aren't, don't you, aren't you with him? Oh, no, I'm not with him. But it says in the scripture that, uh, that Jesus and Peter locked eyes and that Peter ran away and he wept bitterly after that situation. And then we know in John 21, after Jesus was resurrected, he had to have a counseling session with Jesus. Jesus had to have the counseling session with Peter in John 21, where they go over this. Now, they don't really talk about the denial, and he doesn't say, hey, Peter, have you gotten over your fear? Have you gotten over your, uh, you know, your unbelief? He said, Peter, do you love me? I can't believe that. I mean, it's so impactful to me. Do you, do, you, do you love me? Do you know I'm the son of God? Yes. I see you. You're, you've been resurrected from the dead. I love you. Okay. Then we can, we can work with this. And then he said, feed my lambs. Go do what you're called to do. And didn't he pray, when you've returned, strengthen your brother. He told Peter, you know, when you get over this, go back and strengthen your brothers. So faith failing, it can be the ultimate, where someone just doesn't even believe anymore. Why would that happen? And I, and I think there is the two main reasons. The, one of the main reasons is the profound disappointment that we have with ourselves at times 
but then we kind of pushed, um, I don't know the right word, but we kind of transfer it over to God. Like, why was I in that situation that that would happen? You know what I mean? And, and so it's, it's just all a, a muck, right? Um, so it could be disappointment with ourselves or disappointment with our lives and, and the way things have gone or that could ultimately even uh, transfer back to God, although that may not be the whole of it. Um, so, yeah, you know, faith can fail sometimes if, if we don't know how to forgive ourselves. I heard this from Rosaria Butterfield. She has a podcast, um, a beautiful woman of God, but she said we have to we have to learn to hate our sin without hating ourselves. I know. I could not take credit for that. Because if we hate ourselves because of the sin, our faith can fail. Mm-hmm. So when we're thinking about Jesus praying for us, I think his prayers are pointed. They're not sentimental. They're not, I pray they'll never sin again. Or it's, I pray that they'll be, they'll persevere. They'll look to the good. You know, whatever things are noble, whatever things are praiseworthy, whatever things are good, I'm clinging to those things. Even though there's, the bad all around. He's praying that we'll make it in our, in our faith journey. And we'll, ha- we'll have some joy along the way. All right. So <clears throat> one confirmation of this is um, there was a, a prophetic man. He went on to be with the Lord in 2015. His name is Bob Jones. And he, an, he had an encounter with the Lord, where he heard the audible voice of God. Now, I, would, I wouldn't normally talk about these things un- unless there was a lot of credibility that had been established with this with um, a person's ministry, because these are these are big things to say. You heard the audible voice of God. I mean, by God's grace, please, did you? You know, I mean, we hope that everyone would have such integrity. It's so important that we have integrity with those things. But um, but he had his ministry was so verified, n- not the least of which with uh, Mike Bickle at International House of Prayer. Bob Jones uh, prophesied many things that uh, with timing. So this is going to happen um, in the natural, but it's an indication that y'all should start the house of prayer. It's an indication that you should pray for Israel. It's when this happens in the natural. So it, it would be funny things like sports, sporting events and come from behind victories and nature things. And, you know, when the comet comes, you know that God's called y'all to 24-7 prayer. So it's those kind of confirmations with Bob Jones. So, so this, is the, this is the level. So I heard this, um, uh, that he had this encounter. Um, and Jesus asked him, he said, Bob, I want you to pray some things so that I can answer them. Isn't that amazing? He he said, I want you to pray that power will be restored to the church. I want you to pray that 
men, godly men who could lead the people of God will be raised up. That they'll overcome their lion and their bear and be ready for Goliath. He said, pray, because we, we're sheep. We need leaders, right? I mean, every, everybody loves they Well, there's a love and hate relationship with leadership, don't you think? I have to say, but, <laughs> but it, it presses on our, yes, yes, that's true. We need to uh, follow leadership. Amen. <laughs> but, oh, my goodness, when we don't have leadership, we're always, oh, can somebody tell us what to do? Um, <clears throat> but anyway, so raise up godly leaders with the courage of King David. Isn't that good? And the, uh, the third one was pray that believers' faith won't fail. Because they're, they're beat down. I mean, it, it, Bob Jones is saying this. He's saying the Lord said, you know, or, or maybe Bob Jones was just interpreting what the Lord said. Uh, he said, pray that believers, my people's faith won't fail in this hour. And he's like, you know, we, and he was like a country guy. And he's like, you know, we just get so beat down by the devil. And it's true. You know, we get beat, beat down by the, the cares of life and and so that was one of his three prayers, and I've just always remembered that. And so when I don't have anything to pray, I pray that. <laughs> uh, those three prayers, you know, I'll think about those and think, man, that's pretty, it sounds like God, right? If you think of all three, the prayers, aren't they cool? All right, beautiful. Well, um, just a, a couple of more things, and then uh, we might get out early today. Uh, so... Uh, Pray that power will be restored to the church. And pray that, uh, that godly leaders will be, have the courage to lead the people of God. That they could defeat their lion and their bear, like David, and face the Goliath. So we need leadership in the church. So pray for godly leadership in the church. And then pray that people's faith won't fail. Those were the three things. It just had this ring of authenticity. Like, if I were, you know, like, I think it sounds like God said that. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of all-encompassing. So as a corollary to this, let's look at John 17. Um, this is actually a prayer from Jesus to God right before he went to the cross. And it's kind of like we as the reader get to eavesdrop on a prayer between Jesus and God, God the Father. That's pretty important. You know, like, ooh, we get to hear how he would say things. Now, I just took, it's a long prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. I just took a few verses that I think make the point that Jesus is praying for his people. Um, it says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. I pray for them. I pr I'm praying for my disciples. I'm praying for the people who believe in me. I do not pray for the world. I don't pray. I'm not praying for everyone. This prayer is for those whom you have given me. For they are yours. So beautiful. Holy Father, keep them through your name. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. 
So there's this prayer that we would feel closeness with God, that we wouldn't feel disconnected. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Haven't we all kind of thought, hey, I could, you know, if I just went, went to heaven, then it'd solve all these problems. Or, or, you know, kind of like we're disoriented in the world. Don't feel that way. God's called us to be here for such a time as this. He, he wants us to succeed in the work that he sent us to this earth for. Um, so he, he doesn't want us to be removed. No, he wants us to stay here, do the work. But he does pray for protection because it's, it's, these are dangerous waters that we swim in. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. That's why we feel a little bit disoriented at times. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So set them apart by the truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. I do not pray for just the believers now. I'm praying for everyone that will ever come to Christ. That's our prayer. He's praying for us right there. See that? I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through the word of Scripture. So he's praying for us. Praise God. All right. So to close, I want to go back to the scripture in Romans and extend the idea of our faith not failing. I want to put it in a a bit more positive spin than just persevering. So it says, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Paul's asking a question, you know, shall shall these things uh, separate us? And, it, and, you know, there's that idea that they could. They could separate you from the love of Christ. They often do. But almost like shall they, should they? They shouldn't, but they can. It's a cautionary tale, I think. He wants us to think about that. Can trouble separate us? It can, but it doesn't have to. And then three verses later, he says, for I, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So certainly, as Jesus is interceding for us, it would be that we wouldn't feel that separation from, from his care. And we all kind of could define that in different ways. But sometimes I think we make 
words like, you know, the love of Christ. Sometimes we hear it a lot and like the, the true impact of it doesn't really truly touch us. I just want to tell this one little story, and then I'm, I'm finished because I'm trying to figure out a way to say this so that it's not religious. You know, love of Christ, what does that mean? I mean, I, mean, I don't want to say that, for sure, but you know what I'm saying? Like, what does, it, what does it mean for our emotions? What does it mean for the way we really feel about life? And, and do we have joy? Do we have peace? So there's a man named Malcolm Smith. Uh, he's a British guy. And I heard this story a long time ago. I mean, in the 80s. Okay. Uh, but he was a Bible teacher. And, uh, he, and he also really walked in gifts and of the Spirit and things like that. And he prayed for the sick a lot. So people would come to his office. He was like pastor, minister. There was a woman who came in. And she had a, a, a melanoma on her face. And the doctor said, this is really bad. You know, this is just so bad. And, uh, you know, she had a big bandage on it and everything. And uh, she was going to have surgery and, and all that kind of thing. But she came in and she said, Malcolm, I want you to pray for my face. And so he said, okay, I'll pray. So he prayed in the name of Jesus for he, you know, that the Lord would touch her. And she called him like five days later. And she said, Malcolm, it fell off my face. The growth fell off my face. I mean, oh, my word. What a miracle. And then, within six months, Malcolm went to the doctor for a checkup, and he had a a melanoma. I mean, they had to test it and everything, but he had a melanoma on on his back. And he's like, oh, well, the Lord will take care of this. So he prayed. He got people to pray for him. It didn't go away. It didn't go away. There it was. He's like, it fell off her face. I just need the same little bit of excision, right? Uh, but he said, you know, I need to go to the doctor if, it, if it, I don't get better within, you know, a certain amount of time. So he ended up at the doctor. They scheduled surgery. They said, oh, yeah, we need to definitely... We, we need to get this out now. So they put him in the hospital, and, uh, and there he was all by himself, and he was in the ward, you know, where they're doing cancer surgeries. And it's just, you know, there's just there's so much sickness and oppression there and everything. And he just said, uh, also he said the nurse, for some reason, was very hostile to me. And come to find out she just hated ministers. It, it, somehow she was so bitter about I don't know, whatever. But anyway, so he's got all that. He's feeling like, oh, my gosh, I mean, this is really, really bad. I mean, (laughs) and she said something about, oh, don't expect to get out of here. You know, people, if they get in here, they die. And um, but, you know, so that night he had no prayers for his back. He just said, God, he just said, Jesus, if I just know you love me, I'll be all right. If I know that you won't leave me, 
if you won't leave me, I'll be okay. And he sat there, and all of a sudden he said, the, the wall became like an ocean. Like the wall disappeared, and all he could see was this ocean. And he, and, he's, and he looked out, and there was a little bitty boat. And there was a man sitting in the boat. And, and he was like floating along in this boat, and he had a big smile on his face. And the Lord said, that's you. And the ocean, the ocean is my love. It, that, that's my love all around you. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.